0: All right, we are back. Welcome to episode ninety-one of Seize the Moment podcast. We're back after a break. Of course, as you know, I'm Alan. That's Leon. Leon. That's right. And we just had Michael Shermer on about uh, two weeks ago, uh, which was awesome. And we decided to go on a little vacation break, and we decided to come back and and talk about uh, the book, The Scout's Mindset by Julia Galef. Uh, and uh, Julia Galef, she's the founder of the Center for Applied Rationality. Uh, she hosts Rationality Speaking, um, the official podcast of the New York Skeptics. And um, the full title of the book is The Scout's Mindset, Why Some People See Things Clearly and Others Don't. Yep. And yeah, um, Leon actually put me onto this book. Um, could, could you tell me maybe why uh, you were interested? Like what made you want to read it?
1: Yeah, so when I first saw the book, I thought the title was corny as fuck. So I was like, oh my god, another book. First of all, my thinking was another book about mindsets. Great, right mm. here we go, right? You know, how many of those are, are out there? Um, Daniel Kahneman. Yeah. Well, actually, no, Kahneman never wrote a book about mindset. I mean, I guess biases? Technically, technically, biases, yeah, you, actually, right? I'm, I'm wrong. You can actually consider that in the like mindset genre.
0: My bad, Carol Dweck.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I'm sure there were other other people too, like about and people, you know, new age people and like self help people frequently talk about mindsets. So when I saw the book title, I was like, Ugh, the scouts mindset. Like, what am I ten? So um, of course, you know, I kind of like you know brushed it off and I said, forget it. This is not something I'd be interested in. Then I saw that Michael Shermer, who was obviously our guest, uh, he did a review of it, right? And so honestly, man, before Michael Shermer was our guest, I might have even still brushed it off. I would have been like, oh, cool. I mean, they seem to be friends. Or whatever he probably did a review so you know cool but you know after now talking to michael sherber i guess it's just maybe a part of being human his, his now like knowing him personally gives me more or it gives him more weight in my mind in terms of his opinions so i was like oh michael sherber wrote a review of it and so i read a little bit of it about it yeah i read like a snippet of it and then i'm like you know what damn this is actually a really good book like you know maybe i should kind of get into it and pick it up or whatever Um, So then obviously, I told you about it. So why I that's
0: why I wanted to read it. Yeah, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
1: So why I after like actually reading about like the description and reading Shermer's like a little bit of Shermer's review of it, why I really liked it was because I was like, Oh, you know what, I actually struggle with being open-minded a lot and I hold on to different identities. So my thinking was, you know what, let me just see if she has anything to offer in terms of like being a little bit more unbiased, because obviously I, I mean, as I'm sure, you know, I have a tendency to kind of be argumentative and to stick to a particular side. And I figured, you know what, maybe this could be a good like foray into, um, maybe not foray, right? Because I mean, I have read literature on open mindedness before, but maybe this is a good like sort of next step into that kind of literature and being open minded, critical thinking. So uh, yeah, so you know, I got into the book, and I fucking loved it, you know, introduced you to it. Uh, obviously, your idea was to do a book review, we talked about different books, and then we settled on this one. So yeah, I just I love the book, I can't wait to get into it. What did you think? Well,
0: first of all, um, how I even got into it? One, it's by your recommendation but then i realized it was written by julia Galef, and um you know I, I i don't know if you knew this about me but like uh, back in the day i used to watch a lot of ted talks oh nice um yeah so i actually did see her ted talk on the uh, scout's mindset and i didn't recognize that when that's yeah, dope when wow. you introduced the book yeah when was um, that like
1: five years ago or something
0: um, because I, think I it didn't, was, know- yeah, five years ago, something yeah, like that. Because I didn't
1: know about it, I, I didn't know like what that whole idea even was. Oh, wow, yeah, that's why she it really didn't occur
0: it. to me, yeah. And then I started, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, Julie gave, why is that sound so familiar? Then I just kind of like, looked her up and I was like, oh, oh, she did a TED talk on this. I remember this TED talk, okay, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, upon reading the book, uh, what I really like is, um, she draws this sort of uh, distinction uh, between uh, two specific kinds of mindsets. Right. One is what the book is named after the scouts mindset and something called the soldier mindset. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is, uh, so I guess let's start by like defining uh scout and soldier. Yep. So a uh, sol- soldier, mindsets about um, seeing the world the way you wish it was about motivated reasoning about um Biases, uh, identifying with your beliefs, um, emotionally uh, motivated actions, Um, although Scout could be like that, too, but I'm just being general for uh, defining sake. anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, let's say this, it's sort of, um, with that kind of a thinking just to distinguish it, it's probably that in my kind of understanding is that the emotions define your reason, right? So it's like your sort of desire to feel or think a certain thing, uh, makes you kind of think and feel it right. Whereas opposed to, let's say something that's, uh, let's say in terms of the scout mindset, the idea there is that there's a harmony between the two, right? Sort of your emotional side says, this makes sense. And then kind of your rational side says, well, yeah, this is why you should believe in this. And it's sort of like after critical analysis,
0: yeah, and, and mm-hmm. soldiers also about sort of a black and white thinking, right? Uh, needing to be right, nixing out uh, pieces of information that don't fit into your current paradigm in order to preserve confidence, right, which uh, is fine, it's useful skill, but okay, this is just us defining it, I guess we'll get into its uses and misuses after. Right. But then uh, the scout mindset is interesting, it's about seeing the world as accurately as possible. It's mm-hmm. about um, being able to take in new information and being able to change your mind. Um, it's It doesn't have uh, the short-term um, gratification that maybe a soldier mindset does, but for example, by attempting to have as accurate of a map of the world as possible, that'll lead you to make better, more informed decisions, right, mm-hmm. uh, for example, if, um, as opposed to uh, being reactive in a conversation with someone and getting, I suppose, into an argument, uh, maybe seeing um, why they think the way they do, uh, for instance, or try to understand them uh, will, in the long term, uh, be good for that particular relationship. Whereas you would have this uh, back and forth argument, y- you would instead probably be having more of a, um, uh, as you said earlier, like a, a sort of harmony. Right, right, and um, that's just one example. A- another one would be um, just in general not being reactive to new information. Right, being able to um, being able to let yourself, for example, um, maintain your current paradigm of the world. It's not about being. Um... So here's the thing: soldier mindset. It's it's about uh, maintaining uh, certainty, right, right? Uh, about your worldview. Um, Scouts mindset is about still maintaining your uh, you still maintain your confidence that, that you can still be self-assured and have the scouts mindset but it's about allowing yourself to still remain confused or allow yourself to sort of know that there may be counterpoints to to your argument um i think uh, julia Galef uses an example i don't remember if it's in the book or i heard it from her ted talk before it might be confounding could be both things. could be both, could be both. Um, when she talking about uh, Darwin, when he was yeah. um, coming up with this theory of, of evolution, if he was operating from motivational reasoning uh, or, or soldier's mindset, he would just um, just uh, be just confidently sort of present his theory of evolution and just kind of uh, not try to look for um, any issues with it. Because depending on your audience, if it's not a well-informed audience. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, if, if you're confident and you just present yourself a certain way, um, they may just accept the information without questioning it. Right. But if if you what uh, what was good about uh, Darwin was he actually looked for reasons why his um, his theory could be wrong. Right. And and what helped why that was good is because it helped create a more solid theory. Right. It. it, it it created more um, reasons for why it could possibly be true and made a more solid argument. And he was more uh, fascinated with being uh, like a truth seeker. He 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 valued uh, truth above being right, right. And that um, in the long term served him because again, created a stronger theory.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting about that, the part that I loved so much was that like how it factored in particular biases that we have. So I know she didn't say that in the book because um, the way she kind of viewed it was uh, so it was, like it was sort of like she sort of skimmed, maybe not skimmed, but she gave you an outline of what Darwin's thought was, where she said, you know, she mentioned the example of peacocks. And she said, well, you know, peacocks have these bright feathers, which obviously makes them more susceptible to prey. So wouldn't nature like select them out? Right. Wouldn't they sort of kick them out of the ecosphere? Right. Um, so, but Darwin eventually realized, oh, there's this thing called sexual selection. So the idea is that because these peacocks are beautiful, they were actually more likely to mate. Um, so, but what's so cool about that is that you actually have these biases in that example, because you know how, like when, uh, I'm obviously, I'm sure you've had this where you like kind of, so let's say you see some like beautiful person, right? Let's say a beautiful girl. Right. And automatically the bias is, oh, this person is really valuable. Right. Obviously. And so you make this one to two connection, right? You jump from the, you jump to the conclusion. Of this person is valuable because they're beautiful, right? Sexual selection. Then you may get to know the person, and you're like, wow, this person actually kind of sucks, right? There's super maybe. I don't know if lazy, Let's. I don't want to call anybody lazy, but let's say you're like, yeah, they're not that motivated to like, you know, contribute to this relationship. Uh, let's say they don't really have any particular interest in any academic issues or topics. They don't necessarily want to work for a living. And then you're like, you know what? I, I made a mistake in getting involved in this relationship. So what I love about Darwin's sort of thinking is that it implicitly takes those cognitive biases and puts them at the fore, maybe not at the fore, but at least partially at the fore of selection, where the idea is it's not just nature that kind of selects who we are right? It's actually even our biases that contribute to the evolution of ourselves of our species. So what was cool about that is that like, you could kind of see that cognitive distortions are even like fundamental to evolution. Like, did you, did, what did you think? No, about
0: for, sure. no for sure. No, for sure. Those distortions are all about um, survival, right? We rationalize in our favor, any, anything that promotes survival, is, I mean, for example, believing that you're right or maintaining your confidence, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so, it's so basic to our survival, right? Uh, I like that.
1: Can can I just add on to that really quick, just for for the audience, why I like what you said is that Mm -hmm. it indirectly kind of relates to our survival, right? With confidence. So the idea there is, let's say if you have a beautiful partner, you get to feel good about yourself, right? If you feel good about yourself, you're more likely to sort of get yourself up in the morning right now you're motivated to hunt you're motivated to forage for food you're like oh i'm like the big man in the tribe right you're motivated to take care of your partner obviously because now you want to hold on to them right and you feel confident too because you're like oh this person must see something in me so what so sexual selection is so great because uh well maybe not great but sexual selection is such an it's it's great (laughs) it's it's such a like intricate part of uh of natural selection i mean if that was his thinking it's such an intricate part of natural selection because like literally with sexual selection and with that self-esteem that you just mentioned that person actually, and it, can obviously be a woman, man, you know, any person of any gender where the idea is because you feel good because of, let's say, uh, you know, the partner that you have, uh, maybe the attention and the affection that they're giving you. Now you get to go off into the world, right? And you're motivated to take care of yourself, your family and pretty much live. It's usually not that simple, obviously. There are more factors to it. But the point is that like, it's so important because you can actually see how significant these distortions can sometimes be. And by the way, and I'm sure you saw this, right? That's what I think she was pointing to. Like when you're looking at the scout mindset, It's like, uh, you can stop me if you feel like I'm going like completely kind of off board here, but like, it's like, you know, let's say soldier mindset, right? This girl is really beautiful. She makes me feel good about myself. Right. She's actually kind of an asshole. All of my friends are like, hey, dude, you probably shouldn't date her because she sucks. You're like, no, you're just jealous. You don't want to see me happy. You you, you can't get this kind of girl or you can't get somebody that attractive. So I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Right. So that's like a great example of soldier mindset where the idea is you want to defend this thing that makes you feel good about yourself.
0: Right. And I suppose somebody coming from a scout mindset might actually start to be like, you know what? Yeah, um, I actually have to weigh what are the pros and cons here uh, with this particular partner, right? Yeah, um, yeah like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm physically attracted. Yes, yeah, she's very kind, uh, but our, our values aren't uh, all the same, and uh, they come into conflict. She may not like my friends, right? Uh, or, or she dislikes the, my best friend or, or whatever, or something like that. Or maybe I hold an interest that... She really uh, hates and wishes I didn't do, but that's so intrinsic to my life and something that, um, you know, I I feel makes me me or or something that just feels so uh, right for me to do. And they're at odds. Right. And, you know, you start to weigh, Oh, what what another partner who I also uh, find who's also kind, but, you know, likes my friends gets, you know the opposite there um i mean there's more things to consider than just that obviously but this you know it works for the example
1: um and it's such a good example of motivated reasoning right because you have like an intrinsic sort of desire to see that person a certain way and to see your opponent right the person who's like hey dude i'm like actually trying to help you to see them in the more negative light to say like oh well they have ulterior motives
0: Right. So, for example, I'm happy you brought up this example. Yeah. So if somebody were operating from a scout and your friend is telling you who, you know, for however many years or however long you know them, you know, uh, I'm noticing this, this and this. Well, a soldier, right, would react immediately like, no, uh, what are you doing? You're against me. Like, right. how could you say this? Blah, blah, blah. That, that kind of mindset. Scout might be like, this stings. Like this really stings. Like I'm still, I still feel that. Like this is a very strange sensation that you're explaining this to me because now, uh, my view is at odds. You know, I'm, but you know, there's a reason you're saying this to me. So um, maybe I should listen and see why you're saying what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, and you know what? Uh, What if your friend, your friend could be wrong too?
1: That's true. But by
0: being, uh, fair with that sort of scout mindset maybe you can either suss out why they're right. And then maybe then you see their point and actually they, they're they trying to be helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Or uh, maybe you do find out that, you know, he's noticing something that's bad that needs addressing and uh, your view is not entirely wrong either. Cause you explain yourself to your friend right. and maybe they get some kind of insight based on how you're currently feeling too. Cause a lot of times in those situations where you're at odds they also are thinking, you know, you're lost to this perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, you're married to this point of view. You would show them that you're not. And then maybe they're more open to whoever they are having an issue with uh, in your life.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a mixed bag. But the thing is, what's fantastic about this is at the end of it, um, again, you kind of get a more accurate map of what's going on. And e- e- that, that allows you to navigate um, the territory, so to speak, uh, more accurately and make better, more informed decisions in the long term, yeah. which is important because especially, especially when you're dealing with your friends, right? Because mm-hmm. they're they're going to be there for a while. Your partner, for, I mean, barring divorce, breakup, does that, they're probably going to be there for a while, you know? Yeah. And having these reactive back and forths Uh, You know, it feels right due to your impulses in the moment because you want to preserve confidence, you want to preserve your view, all of that, but it doesn't serve you in the long term. So it's like uh, what uh, Julia does uh, fantastically in the book is she sort of gives all of these reasons why it's so beneficial to operate from scout, Mm -hmm. Um, even though a lot of us feel motivated to act from soldier.
1: Right. And I like how she links pride to it. That's, um, that's actually something that I try to focus on therapy too with people is that like, if you feel good about yourself, let's say by going to the gym, right, you know, you're it's somebody who's committed um let's say if you feel good about yourself by being open-minded you're like you know well I want to take these other views into consideration because this is a part of my identity so I like how she sort of doesn't say let's take identity out of it because that's not possible right I didn't say I thought that's where she was going at first I was like oh god she's probably gonna say yeah don't identify with your bully it's you can't do that right so what I think what I love it's not the one way I guess what I think what I love what she says is that she says, don't over identify with your beliefs, where the idea is that your beliefs are part of a system and the part of a self image, but hold on to it a little bit loosely, where the idea is like, if you're a Democrat, right, you don't have to necessarily agree with everything Democrats say. Uh, if you're a feminist, you don't have to agree with everything feminists say, and obviously not the more extreme ones, because for the most part, people stay away from extreme views. And so where for her, right, whereas maybe for somebody else, the idea is like, well, I feel good about myself because I'm a part of this bigger thing, where I'm an activist, I'm a Democrat, I'm a feminist, whatever, for her, It's like, no, no, you could still feel good about these things, right? But also feel good about being open-minded, about being curious, being effective. Uh, You remember, obviously, how we had Rachel on the show and talked about effective altruism. The idea for her is that I'm assuming there's some things maybe she didn't particularly want to do in terms of, uh, you know, kind of the way she spent her donations. Uh, Let's say, you know, when people say, like, would you rather, let's say, put X amount of money into this bigger cause or help somebody in need who's like right in front of you? Obviously, most people would say, no, I'd rather do the latter. But the idea is the former is actually much more effective. So, sometimes people are like, oh, am I a bad person for doing that? So, for her, what I really like is that she's like, look, man, it's okay to be wrong. And it's okay, obviously, for you to kind of de identify, or a little bit, right? To some extent, to de identify with your beliefs. Because the idea is then you're kind of more honest, more, um, you're acting more in good faith, right? You're more honest, you're more sincere. Your um, intentions, if you like, I guess your intentions are, I don't want to say good, but your intentions are more mature, right? You have the idea of like wanting to grow and learn. And I think for her, in my interpretation, that's more important than the actual label, like Democrat, right? Anybody can call themselves a Democrat. For to be able to call yourself a mature critical thinker, I think it actually takes a lot of evidence. Uh, well, a lot of evidence of your of your work, of your work ethic, of your diligence, uh, of your sort of, uh, let's say you know resolve right so that takes a lot whereas as opposed to being like a democrat being you know even a feminist being whatever all you have to really do is just subscribe to a particular you know set of beliefs if you know that's what you want to do whereas like being let's say you know a scout you know is is whatever whatever that really i guess even is but to be a scout the idea there is that you have to actually put work into it and there's a lot of effort involved whereas again i don't think for other labels there is even though i could sense that there's a sense of pride obviously it's you know it's a good distinction it's sort of the distinction between between saying, you know what, Uh, I'm a hard worker as opposed to I'm an American, right? why would I be proud of being an American? Who cares? I live in America. I didn't do anything. I'm literally just in America as opposed to saying, well, I'm proud of myself for being a hard worker or I'm proud of myself for being open-minded. No, that's stuff that I actually have to work toward. Like these are traits that I have to like work toward becoming or uh, kind of uh, let's say putting myself into or taking on as opposed to like being an American, like being a Democrat, like who cares, right? To me, it's like, there's no ethic, no work ethic involved.
0: I mean, um, yeah, it, it's it's very nuanced. Like uh it, it's like that Chris Rock uh joke. Uh there's some things that I'm liberal about and there's some things I'm conservative about.
1: Right.
0: Money, conservative. Mm-hmm. Prostitution, legal. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah Hello, sorry, liberal. 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 Yeah, prostitution yeah, yeah. Yeah. liberal. Um and I mean that joke, you know, is is cool because I mean uh, yeah, there, there there, are some things that I mean, for example, if you adhere to everything that your label means, right, like Democrat, for instance, or Republican or or whatever, um, then yeah, then any any opposing idea you just be just because you're identifying with a particular uh, belief group or tribe, you kind of nix out to preserve that identity, right? right? But if you identify a little bit less, um, the way Julia kind of puts it um. Then you're able to take on new information. You're able to adjust. You're able to adapt. You're able to see what the other side thinks, right? right. I, I think it. I think it's just again, just like Darwin, right? If if you know, of course, you can have all the reasons for why your theory, your side, your perspective is right, but if you know what the other side is thinking, or what other sides, because there's there's a vast, broad political spectrum, right? Libertarian, yeah. etc. You know, all these other things. Um, then then you would have a more solid argument for whatever it is that you think, because you've taken into account all of these other perspectives, and we're able to integrate them, right. it demonstrates also uh, a sort of um, thoughtfulness too, and also anyone who isn't a, uh, let's say if uh, whoever's arguing for their side, let's say they're a Democrat, let's say the person listening is a Republican, well, maybe because this Democrat uh, is taking on this uh, scout's mindset as being so thoughtful, right? Then, because they're demonstrating that, they're like, "Oh, okay, this guy is making, or this person is making some good points." You know, mm-hmm. I'm not used to that. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to necessarily become a, a Democrat right now, but um, now I feel a little bit less like they're all, um, yeah. I don't know, libertards or whatever the other side says, or whatever uh, um, uh, liberals say about conservatives, like yep, uh, yeah. that's what
1: I, And that's what happened with me and Jordan Peterson, which obviously you know about. Like literally for the longest
0: you per, time, I, you guys personally were uh, <laughs> brawling with each other. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for the longest time, I was like, "Damn, you this guy sucks, man." And I kind of stayed away from talking about it because I didn't know that much about him. But after finally like listening to his podcast and like just reading a little bit of his work. I'm like, oh shit, it's not, the way he's caricatured and misrepresented, I mean, it's pretty obviously egregious. So yeah, it was the same thing. I mean, I don't agree with his libertarian views. And by the way, I don't obviously think that tyranny is like on the cusp of, of like, what, what was this thinking about it? It was like tyranny is sort of like on the verge or on the cusp of like coming to fruition in the US. And we're like, we're like a step away from it. And right, and he's obsessed with all of these tyrants who are painted all over his walls. I don't think it's that serious. That's my interpretation. But yeah, no, he has some really interesting ideas. And I mean, yeah, if I just stayed away from it thinking like, oh, he's a conservative, fuck him. I would have never listened to him.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I would say, um... I mean, it's just like sort of uh, that narrative of, um, you know, if 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 we had a World War Three, let's say it would be mutually assured destruction, uh, which which it would be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's that narrative that keeps people from um, initiating that in a way, his uh, his sort of fear of the worst case scenario. we we might need a guy like that. I'm not certain yet. I haven't made up my mind, but because I again, you're probably right. It may we may not really be on the cusp of that, but
1: yeah, I mean, he sounds like somebody who's struggling with an anxiety disorder. Yeah. I don't even. I agree with you. With you. That's not a I don't know why that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. in my mind, I see he catastrophizes a lot. So it's like, let's say if I had a client like him, I mean, I, it's not that I wouldn't take him seriously because he's right in the sense of it being a possibility, obviously, right? There's no question. But the way he frames it, it's like it's such a likelihood that we're just like, we're like a, a second away from it, right? I, I just don't think it's that serious. right? just based on everything I've seen, you know, the sort of things I know about people, uh, you know, documentaries I've seen about people, even the fact that we've come to nuclear war, come close to nuclear war so many times and still managed to avert. it. So you know what, maybe we're both right. Maybe it's something in the middle. Maybe it's not as like, uh, it shouldn't, I shouldn't be as lax as I am. But it's also I think not as serious as he thinks he is. It is right. But yeah, no, I'm definitely not disparaging by saying disparaging him by saying he has generalized anxiety. No, I just no, think
0: no, no worries. I just thought it was yeah. funny. Sorry. But just a quick uh, thing. Yeah, I think that he is a good example of somebody who employs uh, Scouts mindset, because a lot of times in his discussions, um, it doesn't matter who he's speaking to. He always does something called steel manning, which we've discussed on the show before, Mm -hmm. where he'll outline what he thinks their viewpoint is and argue for it and then also explain what he thinks. And then tries to come to some sort of, uh, integrated, um, understanding by the end of their, uh, talk. And it's, it's a cool little structure that I think is, um, it, I mean, it, it's definitely not motivated reasoning. He definitely doesn't seem like he's arguing for some point and then, uh, uh so reactive when he's not right, or someone says something, uh, counter to what he thinks, um, so yeah, he's he's a, he's a good example of that. And in general the the scout's mindset, I mean, knowing uh I'll go off on a little tangent here, but uh knowing your strengths and weaknesses for instance, right? As opposed to um let's say a scout, uh sorry, a soldier might um think that relative to other people they're above average in certain um uh, personality traits or intelligence and and, and things of that nature. Um, however, uh, and that's fine. That's good. It's again, to be self enhancing, to have uh, positive illusions, it is self serving. But the thing is, it's not clear how how much it really serves people. Because I mean, if uh, if you ask somebody, um, would you rate your uh, life you know the circumstances of your life above average or how you feel about life above average most people just to look good for instance they're going to put yet that they feel good about it so that kind of skews the results Correct. they may just be self-deceiving and that's sort of masquerading as a like a positive illusion and they have this you know uh people who are um self-enhancing have more positive outlooks on life you you might draw that conclusion but it's not necessarily clear uh somebody who's coming from the scout mindset would know what their strengths and weaknesses are like maybe uh my friend is a is an incredible writer for example right um and I, uh, I may be a writer, but let's say I haven't written something in a while, and then I, I, I truly ask myself, you know, like, okay, if I were to say which one of us should uh, write something right now for whatever reason, probably it's gonna be him. And then, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no, no, like the audience doesn't know. It's very inside. It's like a little myself and we. Are, yeah. Um, There may be other things where, uh, you know, I'm uh, uh, strong in or something that I'm uh, weak in and then sort of acknowledging where my strengths and weaknesses are. It's not going to ruin my confidence. It's actually just going to make me play to my strengths more. And then since we're a team, you know. whatever you're strong in, like, we it just sort of, uh, we just work in a sort of synergy or, or allow for that synergy to occur, as opposed to um, soldier and uh, uh, duking it out, or, or I don't know why we would, I, I think that doesn't necessarily work in this example. But you, you kind of get what I'm what I'm saying. It's like, again, knowing what you can do and can't do makes you uh, more informed on your um, current and future decisions, yeah. right? And then it makes it probably leads to more success. I mean, I think she used Jeff Bezos and um, yeah, Musk. Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. For example: uh, Elon Musk. I think he said that the chances of Tesla or some of his other companies being successful was ten percent.
1: Yeah, you know some- what? I yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, how crazy was that? Like, just I'm curious about your opinion, right? Because I so to our audience, we actually haven't talked about this book at all. So this is literally the first time we're actually like really sitting down and talk about it. So yeah. what was your opinion on that, right? Because the norm is usually like you have to be overconfident, right? And how many people have we met who like, nah, you know, bro, you gotta believe in yourself. It's all about believe in yourself. But then she was like, actually, no, you don't have to necessarily believe in yourself. You have to have an accurate estimation of the odds. So how, what did you think about that? Because that's super interesting to me.
0: Well. I mean here it's also here's the thing. Even if he understood that um he had a like a 10% chance of success, mm-hmm. it's uh she uses an example of um would you bet ten dollars to win two hundred dollars? Right. Right. So even though he knew that um his chances of success were low, it didn't mean it didn't stop him from acting still uh, somebody in a soldier mindset might be like no no, no uh 80 percent," or no um, this is definitely going to work yeah. but he would just more I, f- I feel like knowing what you're working with what you can do what you can't do mm-hmm. and um it helps you again like I-, I feel like i'm repeating something from earlier so sorry to the audience but it helps you again to Navigate the territory better. I feel like it increases your chances of success by knowing what your chances actually are, right? And confidence,
1: and confidence too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because you're like,
1: why would I take this personally? right? What's there to take personally if I know that there's a 10% chance of my business succeeding, just like with our podcast, right? Let's say, you know, if we're just starting out and the idea is like, you know, we're getting 20, 20 uh, views or whatever per episode. Why would we take that personally? We're like nobody who cares? Nobody knows who we are. We haven't had any guests on. It's nice that even 20 people are listening to us and taking it somewhat seriously. Sure.
0: No, no, uh, that's true. That's, that's, that's a good mindset. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I suppose, uh, okay, if you want to take it there, let's take it there for a second uh yeah there's right now over a million podcasts Any, i think even so rogan uh for example used to tell everybody like make your own podcast it's all you know do yes it. I
1: re- he says that all the time still yeah
0: he no no he changed it oh did he when yeah he literally him somebody like a tim dylan also or like yeah i don't think you should if you're gonna start a podcast don't start it right now oh and, wow and, and, yeah they're like uh if you do, it has to be incredibly niche.
1: Wow, that's the
0: only way now you'd be, uh, six is what they say. And right. I was, and I, I, I listen to it because I mean, yeah, it, it's it makes sense, right? If there's uh, a million of them, right? I mean, that's a lot of people. Uh, you know, depending a on a lot of the perusing. A lot of perusing. Now, here's the thing. I also think there are other factors to take into consideration. Like one is how consistently does somebody uh, do their podcast, number one? Um, What's the content like? Uh, What sort of engagement do they get from the listeners? Uh, Do those listeners share with their friends and all that? Like there are things to take into consideration. Um, And I feel like that's what lets, you know, how the cream rises to the Wait, is that the same?
1: <laughs> yes, to the top, to the top. Okay, I almost like cream of yeah. the crop
0: as well. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Oops. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, uh, even I wouldn't let you know knowing a million of them exist, uh, discourage somebody from doing it. Um, but it is good to know what your odds of success are, and then to still, if you still want to act in spite of it, at least again, you're more informed about what the situation is i mean for example say you were delusionally thinking i'm going we're going to be the best or one of the best we're going to be one of the names out
1: there it's rogan seize the moment (laughs) yeah
0: yeah you know and and i like yeah and uh that's that's cool and all like to have a a goal or like somewhere you're shooting towards right but at the same time like imagine somebody completely motivated like motivated uh by soldier oh sorry coming from soldier mindset they would be so devastated and probably uh, not so resilient and it would be very hard to continue um working if they were met with such um yeah uh, yeah w- w- with fa- yeah with failure because yeah, or, or just expectations are, yeah. not being met
1: yeah, yeah i would say that's that that is definitely failure my kind of understanding Cause it's like, if your expectations are met, you fail to meet them.
0: Yeah. But if you have more sort of, um, accurate, yeah. um, a- a- expectations or, uh, predictions, or for example, again, like this goes back to something we said way earlier in a podcast. Uh, I forgot when this was, but definitely one of the earlier episodes we were talking about. Well, I mean, incrementally, if you keep doing what you're doing, right. One, you get better at it. Right. Also, um, I'll credit this. Uh, I saw an article. I was on Facebook, uh, just scrolling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even I scroll. So I was scrolling. The Great Allen scroll. The Great Allen. <laughs>
1: it's
0: a joke. But anyway, um, it was some kind of uh, economics, econ- economy article. I don't remember uh, what brand it was. But anyway, Ryan Reynolds was saying something along the lines of, um, "You have to be willing to look bad or stupid." Or willing to fail in order to be successful, right? right? So, uh, for instance, when we first started the podcast, we don't know anything. We don't know shit about podcasting, right? Um, especially, I mean, on the, of,
1: especially on the tech side.
0: Especially on the tech side, mm-hmm. right? That that's definitely that has, that has its own learning curve. Uh, and then, just in general, getting comfortable with speaking, getting comfortable with the presentation. You know, uh, getting comfortable with getting guests and blah 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 blah. And if, if you sort of know that there's an incremental improvement that takes place, for instance, that's, a, that's sort of a realistic expectation to have that you'll incrementally get better. Mm-hmm. And if you know you're 1% better or 0.1% better each day after a year or two or three or so on and so forth, you sort of get this, um, you get a different sort of uh, result or emergent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. There, there are these different variables also that like we uh, change up as we go on. Right. And that creates a, a different uh, result as well. I think I like to think of it. I'm not like a. Uh, I like math. I'm not, you know, uh, that high level in math, but I like to think of it like this. Uh, if we keep changing the X variable in the equation or the Y variable, whatever, mm-hmm. no matter what, whatever result we get will be a different result. Will it be better or worse or all that? That's a different thing that we have to take into consideration the nuance of that. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, as long as we know, and we have an expectation that if we change one thing or another thing, that we will definitely have some sort of different result. Right. Then at least that also gives a sort of, um, not hope but a- an expectation that's more uh attainable as opposed to like we're gonna be the very best you know,
1: uh, you know i thought you were about to sing the pokemon the pokemon song, song. yeah <laughs> i was i like the, the melody yeah the melody was behind it uh yeah. yeah yeah you know what i've always liked that you've always had the mindset of you know what value are we producing or providing for like the consumer or i guess maybe we can't call our audience consumer or maybe they are uh, i don't i
0: don't i don't i don't, I don't think Of it like that, but I understand what you're saying, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, consumer that, uh, in the sense of like consumer of information, obviously, because you know our podcast is free. Um, so the point is, like, the way I, I like the way that you think about it that way, in terms of what's the value that they provide, because you can never go wrong there, right? So it's pretty much the same thing as saying, um, you know, by admitting that I was wrong in this particular area, I get to feel good about myself knowing that, uh, you know, I'm a mature adult who's able to admit some error, right? So you get to feel some level of pride, and it's the same thing with the podcast, right? If you think about it in terms terms of, you know, did I do something good for someone today, a.k.a. am I a good person, you know, to whatever extent, then I can feel good about myself and knowing that, like, let's say, again, if even 20 people watch the show, we've provided some value for them. Obviously, as opposed to the overarching goal, which is maybe not overarching, but let's say one of the bigger uh, goals, which is obviously, you know, to have a large scale audience, right? And to some, they do it in a way where, you know, we get recognition and maybe even advertisements for it so but the idea there is that it's like i guess if you're you know that sort of saying if you're doing it for the right reasons you can never go wrong i think that's kind of it so i've always liked that and appreciated your mindset even though by the way it's incredibly fucking hard for me to maintain uh but yeah but i've always its liked not that.
0: easy either yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: i try to like pivot to it every time that you know uh, let's say obviously we do an episode that doesn't do so well or uh maybe obviously when we can't find guests which is obviously incredibly hard i always have to remind myself well look at you know the body of work and there was some value that obviously we provided for people, which is great. And we probably even broadened, I'm not saying we did this to a large extent, but I'm sure we broadened the audience for some of our guests to some minor extent. I'm sure some of those you know folks actually kind of ended up getting a wider audience than they would have otherwise, which is great.
0: Pick this out. Yeah. Let's, let's scout mindset this, okay. just for fun. Uh-huh. Say, hypothetically, I'm going to take a, I don't know if you want to call it devil's advocate or mm-hmm. a contrarian sort of point of view. Mm-hmm. Say we on gun- say, say we didn't help anybody mm-hmm. say like whoever watches they watch for one minute and that's mm-hmm. what we think are the views yes and whatever yeah. uh say it's the worst possible case scenario mm-hmm. even then you still could rationalize a way that it's beneficial because here check this out so you mm-hmm. you write a blog you right. are a mental health professional you have a track record of uh episodes where you talk in long form about your views on certain uh or interview people or and all that and that's incredibly valuable just even selfishly not that you should and that's again i understand understand. that you should go there but i'm just saying worst case scenario even then you have this long track record of things that Uh, help uh, your business, help your uh, blog, which is like another main thing that you do. Uh, Who knows what else that could bolster in the future um, as well if you take on another endeavor, whatever that is, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me too, I don't have much of a a presence online. I mean, yeah, there's ego ends now, that's cool. Don't get me wrong, awesome. But talking in long form like this, is good uh it's also it's a bit beneficial to people right or or at least that's our hope right and uh, what is what does that demonstrate you do it for free like what kind of person does that i'm not trying to give myself or you points or whatever just let's try to be a, like as objective as possible for a second right. like what does that say about a person that you're trying to offer value for free like what that's do you? So- you know, um, yeah, somebody could rationalize like, okay, you guys are bored. You guys are just, you know, trying to, you know, it could be self-deluding or whatever.
1: I I mean, all all of those things could be
0: true. I'm scout-minded. I'm just just doing that just for fun.
1: And it's probably true that all of those things are true to some extent.
0: You know what? The fact that you said it's probably true, Mm -hmm. even though I kind of probably know what you in your heart of hearts probably actually feel, that adds more solidity. To your current paradigm, which mm-hmm. is still the overarching one we discussed earlier, which is, again, it's to help people, it's to create value, it's, you know, if it helps somebody, it's, it's worth doing, right? right. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important that even like we're as an example, employing the scouts mindset right now, because it gives more solidity to the paradigm, even if we're confused, even if we know there are these contrarian sort of uh, perspectives that could be taken and, you know, if believed in could totally throw you off or something like that.
1: Mm -hmm. But
0: uh, acknowledging it, I feel like as opposed to not acknowledging it, again, allows you to navigate the territory more if you are met with something that doesn't meet your expectation, then you're more able to uh, deal with it, so to speak. You know it's not easy, it's not comfortable. It, um, Julia Galef also says it's things to do this. I, I think even when she was coming up with uh, uh, this uh, arguments, uh, pro and con of the soldier mindset, mm-hmm. she had a totally different person, like, she was gonna say, uh, way more cons about the soldier mindset. Uh, but after doing some research, this is a very general thing. I, I don't remember it fully, but after doing more research, she was like, "Oh shit. Okay. Um, damn, I was wrong about, um, uh, all these cons about it. All right. Uh, it won't help my book as much, but okay, I'll, um, I'll take on this new information and adapt. And I would actually arguably say that it does help her, uh, Book, in my opinion, to yeah. you know, still say what could be wrong about your theory or, um, about your argument because. I don't know. I I trust people who do that more, you know? Uh, Yeah.
1: And I like that she said that too about like overconfidence where even though like in the short term, it's by the way, very similar to beauty, right? In the short term, if you see a beautiful person, just like you see a confident person, you're like, wow, my God, this person is really valuable. I want to be around them. But then obviously, if they're overconfident, they never admit their mistakes. You could kind of tell that they don't do much of the work, you know, they sort of like just spitball things that sound really incredibly intelligent and, you know, sort of, uh, let's say, valuable the idea there is that it eventually all falls apart. So what the thing is that I like that she said was that with the soldier mindset, the idea there is that if you're sort of protecting yourself, it's going to work. I mean, nobody's saying it's not going to work, right? You're defending your beliefs. Somebody's going to buy into your argument, even if it's wrong. The point is that after some time, it's going to fall apart. You're going to lose followers. You're probably even going to lose friends because people don't like being around people who can't admit their mistakes. And so after a while, you're going to be bored and sort of lonely and you know miserable. So the idea there is like with like, not to get too much into this, but with pathological narcissism. So, pathological mm-hmm. narcissists tend to be really attractive and really confident, right? So, you, if the double, the shebang, right? You get both in one person, and you're like, oh my God, this human is amazing. But then you get to know them and you're like, "Ah, okay, I guess they're pretty or they're beautiful. uh, They're handsome, whatever. But you know what? They're kind of an asshole. They don't like to admit their mistakes. They don't like being criticized. They get super defensive. They don't work well with others. They think everybody's jealous of them. They think everybody's plotting against them, you know, yada, yada, yada. So eventually what you realize is with that kind of mindset is that after some time, like it all falls apart. So, but in the short term, as she says, it's wonderful, it's great to do, I mean, not wonderful, but it's something that can work, right? It's something that in the short term can get you the followers, uh, believers, if you will, get you even the friends, acquaintances or whatever, dates, get you laid, right? It can get you all of those things that you're looking for. But if we're talking about long-term established relationships and even a long-term sense of expertise, right, where other people sort of see you as that expert, you're not really going to get that. You're going to eventually have some people follow you, by the way, because I mean, sometimes, you know, con men will always have people to con but the idea there is that like most people who are more thoughtful will eventually see through the charade and will be like yo I'm not I'm not talking to this person and um, it's sort of like uh, not to, another thing not to get too much into but in the episode Jordan Peterson had with Michael Shermer I like that they debunked the myth that most Germans actually didn't follow Hitler in the way that people think that it wasn't so much that Hitler was this great orator and con man even though he was but it wasn't so much that it was more so along the lines of once he built up enough of the minority party they literally scared the shit out of so many german people who were definitely anti-semitic and that wasn't the case right it's just that they scared the shit out of them so much that they figured you know what i'd rather just told the line and do what the expectation is than obviously resist and rebel so but the myth there is that like oh someone like a hitler or like a trump or whatever uh let's say they could kind of like convince masses of people to follow them so that's not true so the point that i think she was Making with the mindsets, or one of the points was that essentially with the soldier mindset, you can definitely get some people to follow you in the long term, but most people will eventually kind of like wither away. And then for the most part, even though it hurts in the kind of moment where you're telling yourself and you're telling other people I'm wrong, what's going to happen is those people are eventually going to respect you, or even in that moment respect you, and then you're going to actually build up the network that you're looking for. Even though it seems like uh, counterintuitive, right? It's like, oh, if I'm wrong, this person is going to think I'm stupid. Not if they're mature, mm-hmm. you yeah.
0: You know, one thing I I, um, I really like that she uh, did in the book, I, I forgot, um, there were some tests that demonstrate or that would help somebody to sort of garner a scout's mindset. Oh, did you do them? It's not that I uh, did them. They t- were thought I experiments.
1: Tell, I could tell you my results. They were embarrassing. You want to hear them?
0: Sure. Um, okay. yeah.
1: Okay. It's super embarrassing. Hold on. Let me just flip it. Over. Just
0: in case, wait, um, it, just to make sure we're on the same page, you're talking about um, like where they had the conformity test, the double standard test like that, or are you talking about something different?
1: Wait, no, I'm talking about, actually, I think it was different. So do you remember the part where she mentioned, uh, where she had you do like the thought experiments? Oh, cause you had the audio version. Um, okay. So she had you do like the thought experiment and then you had to assign the probability to where you think you were right. So it's like, like who was older? Like, uh, like Genghis... Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you do that one?
0: no, but I understood what she was saying, like uh, assigning a probability to how, what percentage yeah. you could be right helps but, you to sort of gauge. Um, yep. Accuracy. Right, so yeah. Can I read
1: you my results? Mm-hmm. This is how bad it was. So do you remember like there was a section for 55% sure? Right. So, okay. So for 55% sure, right. So it's just for the audience. So it was like, you would split it up. Right. And then you would mm-hmm. have like results. So it looks something like this, right? Mm hmm. Right. So what you would have is column A is the number of times you were right. Column B is the number of times you were wrong and you would put it into a percentage. And then uh, the percentage of the time and the last column is percentage of the time you're right at this confidence level. So let's say if 50 percent, 55 percent sure, you know, you would pretty much write whatever percentage you were right on. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I'm sorry, whatever percentage you were right. So let's say for 55 percent sure. Right. I was right. 81 percent of the time. I was like, yeah, see, I'm like on a roll. Then it gets really bad. So for 65% sure, where I was like, okay, I feel like it's more than random that I'm right, or I'm sorry, not more than random, that it's uh, more than uh, more than I guess whatever, more than chance, right? I'm sure I think I know this is true. Then I went down to 50%. The times that I was 75% sure, I went down to I was stayed at 50%. The times I was 85% sure, I fucking stayed at 50%. And then the worst part is that when I was 95% sure, I literally was was at and am at 25% oh wow yeah crazy right i thought i was gonna go up right i was like oh the times where it's like you know the flip of a coin i'll probably be like 50 uh it's gonna probably go up as you know it goes up to 65 75 and then at 95 i'm like i'm sure i'm gonna be like at 100 there's no way right i'm gonna be batting a thousand no man i actually got worse that's overconfidence
0: why i like uh that section of the book it, it reminds it's something i resonate with actually so a lot of times, um, when I think of uh, perspectives, uh, or, or let's say, um, whether I'm right to think a certain thing or wrong, or whatever view I have, how accurate it is, mm-hmm. um, I do this thing where I'll have a whole bunch of floating, um, either perspectives or possibilities of what could be happening, right. or what is happening, or uh, what another person might think what I think, what's another perspective I can take. And I have like 10, it's not exactly 10, but I have a whole bunch of things floating as possibilities in the air for me, right? right? And why I resonate with that part of the book is because by gauging what percent you uh, believe, uh, whatever it is that you believe, right. um, it, it, it adds this thing where it lets you feel like you could be open to another perspective being true. Right. And um, that thing that I do, it helps me to um, not take anything 100%. For instance, like, for example, if uh, let's say um, I got, so here's the thing. I'm, uh, we're, we're all, even if you know all of this stuff, you're still subject to biases. You can still go in and out of being in the moment. You right. could go in and out of being in scout or soldier. It happens. Yeah, you you could dwell. Right. And you could dwell in one mindset or another for, let's say, most of the time, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. So, uh, oh, no, I forgot what I was going to say. Well,
1: you know, I think. okay. so the point that I was getting from you is that that you try not to you try to stay away from being 95 or 100 percent sure of something. You try to keep an open mind and look at other perspectives. Right.
0: (laughs) Um, oh, right. So here's the example I was going to give. If let's say I was, uh, this is like, let's say years ago, I was uh, in a mode of, uh, let's say, jealousy or something, right? Where mm-hmm. I was paranoid that somebody's doing something with this uh, partner, with a girl, whatever. And I'm like, uh, and then I'm like, yeah, but like, how true is that? Like, am I, even if I feel like this is right and I have this weird feeling in me, like uncomfortable, and I I think this is true, or whatever, what other possibilities could exist? Then I think of all the other possibilities, instead of being married to the uh, jealousy perspective, then those other ones draw me away from 100% certainty into this reactive notion of what could be happening, which which is good, because uh, I mean, I suppose as you could contrast that with somebody who would fall to prey to it 100%, maybe talk to that person, uh, their partner, and then project a whole bunch of negativity onto them, right. or something like that, and completely self sabotage and create some weird, you know, spiral of um, just bad situation, yeah. you're
1: running, yeah. you, you avoid it, right? You find a way to get rid of the situation.
0: Well, so by by thinking of all these different perspectives, it draws me away from that reactive impulse, uh, which I instinctively or not instinctively, I just intuitively understand that that reactiveness, if it's not something you would choose to feel, this is not from the book. This is now just I'm drawing this from other things I learned, but uh, I know that anytime I'm being reactive, it's not I'm not in fully in the driver's seat. It feels like I'm being um, driven by this emotion that's creating all these rationalizing thoughts Mm -hmm. that's sort of pulling me into belief into them. And then it tricks you into feeling like you're contributing to that narrative that started out intrusively. And it creates a sort of infinite feedback, not infinite, but definitely some kind of positive feedback loop of just negative negative thoughts uh that feed into a narrative yeah and in, yeah in, it,
1: C- in cbt we would say that that's activating your core beliefs so it's like if your core belief is i shouldn't trust anybody somebody seems like they're deceiving you, you're you like oh there we go it fits what i already believe
0: yeah but it, it's also like if you if you know that that can't be right even though like you instinctively want to believe it mm-hmm. i i feel like at that point you're um Inching, inching away from you know that uh, 100% soldier mindset. Let's yes. say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. And I like that you brought that up because she has this great section where she talks about those core beliefs. So I'm not going to do it justice. So I'm not going to try to exactly explain everything that she said about it. But I like how she created this network. And she said, look, changing one belief is like a cascade, right? Or it could become a cascade where if you change like the sort of surface belief of let's say uh, climate change isn't real, right? Then you have to actually now, well, you would probably have to start maybe from the foundation and then kind of like move your way up, right? Or you would have to keep going into the foundation so it's like if let's say the person is um let's say oh i'm gonna read it because i don't want to butcher what she said i'd feel bad
0: is that part in the towards the end with the paradigm stuff
1: yeah yeah, yeah. hold on let me just find it so not a scout identity yeah okay so okay so the belief is so okay like so she wrote that's uh okay so let's say the belief climate change isn't real quote unquote is supported by other beliefs kevin who her example was of holds about the world how the world works and which sources are trustworthy for kevin to significantly update the belief climate change is real he'll have to also update a few of his associated beliefs such as climate change skeptic media outlets are more trustworthy than the mainstream media uh or smart people don't buy that climate change or uh, it's climate science consensus So that can happen, she says, but it will take a lot more evidence than the single article from a new source since Kevin doesn't currently uh, from a new source Kevin doesn't currently trust. You're right. So the idea there is that if you're changing the sort of climate changes in real belief, right, you also have to obviously kind of try to combat the other beliefs. Uh, so in this case, she doesn't frame it as like here are the core beliefs and here are like the uh, external or more external beliefs, which mm-hmm. is what we do in CBT. But she's pretty much saying like it's this network of beliefs. And if we change one, we have to actually try our best to change the other. Because like, let's say if you can cond- convince this person, uh, let's say, you know, his belief is climate change isn't real, and you show him evidence against that, his, you know, uh, other belief, I would call this a more core belief, Uh, smart people don't buy the climate science consensus is going to be challenged, right? So now he's stuck in this uh, like tension. He's like, okay, here's, I see this evidence, but if I'm a smart person, right, I have to resist the evidence. I have to kind of rebel against it because if I buy into it, then that means I'm stupid. So the idea there is like only stupid people believe in, you know, evidence for climate change. So if that's his kind of assumption, right? And then the belief on top of that is, uh, let's say this particular data set is real, which is what you're showing him. Uh, Then the idea is, is that like, if you somehow prove to him that the data set is real and let's say, you know, he's like, oh shit, no, this does seem real. He's not going to be able to stay in that tension of the data set is real, but then stupid people buy into climate change. Right. So that person is not going to want that. Right. So obviously they're going to be motivated to explain the data set away in a way that says, ah, it's probably cherry picked evidence or uh, this person or maybe they fudge the data, right? Or maybe they just completely made these numbers up. So they'll mm-hmm. find a way to explain it that fits the belief of like, yeah, stupid people only buy into, or only stupid people buy into climate change. So the idea there, I think where a lot of people get stuck, myself included, where you're sort of battling full on ideologies as opposed to just particular beliefs, right? So it's like when you're trying, even again, oh, a good example of this is when you're trying to convince a vaccine skeptic, right? If you mm-hmm. actually, like, I know people who are vaccine skeptics, they actually don't trust anybody. So if you talk to some of these people, they'll tell you like, oh, I don't trust the government. Um, I don't trust scientists. Uh, I don't trust big pharma, right? So if you're convincing them that like little vaccines that are actually good for you and they pose very minimal risk, now you're challenging their belief that like, oh, wow, maybe big pharma isn't all corrupt. Maybe the government does care about us. And that's just... It's just it's so much work because that kind of core that founds the belief of like uh, was the foundation of the belief that vaccines are bad is incredibly hard to change because we're talking about these black and white or uh, these overgeneralized systems and ways of seeing the world where the idea there is even fundamentally, it's that people in authority can't be trusted. Right? So now you're challenging the belief of people in authority can't be trusted, but then you're showing them that people in authority should be trusted. That's going to cause this tension that they're just going to find a way to explain themselves out of.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. And um, also there was this, um, I, I probably, you're going to recall it now. I, I was almost mentioning it earlier in the book. Yeah. Um, where the, there were these thought experiments, uh, conformity bias, uh, yeah. thought experiment, double standard right. and so on. So I, what I liked about it was um, it was what it was designed to do is sort of to help you um, attain the sort of scouts mindset or get an insight into what that's like. Right. So, for example, the double standard one, I like the example she used. Um, there was this uh, guy uh, it was a he was in sc- is a school um, kid yeah wow anyway <laughs> school, kid. school kid hey yeah. everybody
1: <laughs>
0: anyway so it was uh yeah it was this uh, student and uh, it was a class of 230 males and maybe 30 females right something like that and he would observe and that um, all the girls were Going for the most attractive, most athletic, uh, best guys, uh, in the group, best
1: right. looking guys, best, best looking, looking guys. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, uh, he wasn't, uh, he didn't match like a lot of those. Uh, right. he wasn't so confident. He wasn't, uh, that athletic and, or right. uh, or if he was not as attractive, whatever, Good. um, I got. I'll give him something. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> you know completely kill this guy. Well, whatever. Okay. So, <laughs> whatever. Just being kind. But anyway, <laughs> he's um, good at chess. He's good at chess.
1: <laughs> so
0: anyway, uh, yeah. So he then all of a sudden he started to come. He started working from soldier's mindset, and he started thinking, um, "Wow, these girls are all stuck-up bitches. They only want the most popular, most athletic, whatever guy, right?" Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then um, in her example of the thought experiment, he uh, decided to think, wait a second, double standard. If 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 I were uh, if it were 200 girls and only 30 guys and I was also picking. Of all out of all the girls, like who I would date, of course, I would pick the most attractive, most beautiful, right. whoever you know that I would be able to get and the best one out of right. them, like whatever mm-hmm. according to my value system. Right. When he started to think like that, it nixed away his belief of, um, yeah, they're all stuck up, bitches. they're all you know, like some kind of weird negative projection onto, onto the girls. It helped him to see that. Um, maybe something else is going on that needs addressing. And it gave him a more accurate understanding of the situation. And um, she didn't go on to say this, but like, this is just my take on it. I think that's a, that's good to come to that realization because then, I mean, imagine you're walking around with the, the paradigm that uh, women are all stuck up bitches or something like that, or wouldn't you uh, just, just by pure, just confirmation bias alone yeah. try to seek out examples of that yeah. and then wouldn't that ruin any like chances of having a normal relationship
1: yeah and Probably. it might add, yeah and it can also cause you to think things that aren't true like remember what was his name? I think it was Elliot Roger, the Isla Vista yeah. killings. Right, right. That was him. Right. Remember, he was like this good looking fucking kid, like super attractive guy, right? Like whatever he was, like 17, 18 years old. Had a car, like, money. Yeah, bro. And then he's like, oh, you know, all of these girls don't give me the time of day, even though he's never approached any of them. Let's say he probably, give or take, got rejected by a few girls, like at some point in his life, and then overgeneralized and was like, oh, fuck all of them. You know, they're all rejecting me. I'm never going to get laid or whatever it was. Even though, like, if that kid literally just put himself, out there he probably would have gotten at if let's say the standard, the norm for people is like one out of 10, like guys, you know, getting a date, I think for him, it could be at least two to three out of ten because he seems to have a lot going for them. But yeah, for him. So but the delusion there is that like, oh, you know, because whatever these people rejected me, everybody's rejected me. So um, yeah, so why I like the mindset of, you know, uh, you know, maybe I would do the same thing or whatever it is, is that if you're putting yourself in other people's shoes, right? First of all, hopefully you see that not everybody's rejecting you. Uh, but then the other thing is, you could see like, oh, yeah, I would have some of these girls too like even you know the sorority like some of those girls I'm sure he, he wouldn't have wanted to date all of them but the way he saw it was that like it's me against the enemy
0: yeah and it's also it's fine to acknowledge um for instance like okay so uh, again self delusions or positive delusions like I'm the best I'm, I'm amazing. I am God's gift to women, right. you know, whatever. Right. You know, If you believe in something like that 100%, yeah, sure, it stands to reason that you would look for evidence of that belief and you would act in such a way that conforms to that belief. Okay, that's cool and all, right? But anytime you would encounter evidence to the contrary, well, it depends on the person's uh, temperament but either they're going to react horribly, mm-hmm. right? Or they're just going to miss the reality. They'd be like, oh, no, no, no. They're just stupid. They don't know what they're talking about and all that. Right. And I feel like that creates distance between the possible relationships you could, or or, or the types of relationships you could have with people, right? Mm-hmm. If you were more accurate, like if you said, all right, um, all right, I'm, I'm not as, uh, if you said, okay, confidence is is important, right? right. But at the same time, being delusionally confident is um, not useful, right. right? It probably serves you, you know, it, pro- it probably does serve you to cultivate real core confidence as opposed to this sort of delusional sort of right. confidence, because that's also less flimsy. You also, if you ever encountered anything that um, y- you also wouldn't react if you had real core confidence, yeah. And what is core confidence? That's a different conversation. But if you had real core confidence, if somebody didn't like you, you don't necessarily have to say it's because they're a bitch or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It could mm-hmm. be like, okay, it just didn't work. It, or they, things didn't align in a certain way. Maybe this person's having a bad day. Maybe actually something in my behavior was not was a little off-putting. Or maybe some maybe something in my uh, something I did, you know, mm-hmm. which is fine because I'm not always going to do this thing. People mm-hmm. aren't always going to reject. People mm-hmm. aren't always going to accept. Yep. You know, I'm not always going to be in my most optimal uh, state of yeah. uh, whatever the state of consciousness, whatever. Right. Um, and it's fine if something happens that's not supposed to happen, or sometimes something good happens too. But you don't have to also draw a whole narrative on that good thing. Cause that could also lead to a sort of self-delusion. Yeah. And again, it's good not to be deluded because then, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like you have more honest relationships, you know, but that's, I feel like I'm just adding that. It's not like Julia Galef really says that exactly in the book. Um, Her thing is just more about. yeah, It's well, for
1: yourself. It's for yourself. It's like, yeah, you're, we're truth you're,
0: seeking, yeah. you know, Yeah, Yeah.
1: the idea is that you benefit from it. But I do remember her mentioning something about relationships, that people will want to be around you and that obviously you'll have like deeper friendships, obviously, because there's more intimacy.
0: Yeah, I just I don't I feel bad because I don't like to um, sometimes uh, put words in the author's mouth. Uh, So I'm trying to say like there are certain things I I just said before is a little bit of my own imposition, Mm -hmm. but um, she probably would go with it. I just don't want to say she is putting that out there. But
1: I hear you. Yeah, All right, yeah. so before we wrap up, what do you feel like was for you the most important point of the book?
0: Well, so here's the thing, I think it was important to draw um a distinction between um self-delusion and and truth seeking. Mm-hmm. Because while um so here's it's not like I didn't know some of this stuff that was already in the book. Yeah. yeah. But It was valuable. It's a great
1: addition. It's a great addition to critical thinking literature. right?
0: Well, let me put it to you this way also. There's some things that you know once you hear it in the book, it sounds like, oh, yeah, this is obvious, or this is stuff I've thought about before, all that. But we, we all we forget things sometimes, yes. mm-hmm. right? We're we're not always walking around with this information fresh in our heads, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, like, yeah, I read uh, Power of Now however long ago. And yeah, I still em- employ a lot of things from that book. But I promise you, if I read it again, there are certain things that I'd be like, oh yeah, right, this part. And now I feel a little bit differently or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's very general, but also while thinking about these biases that i could have or what could be flawed about my thinking or you know let's have as as accurate of a map of the world as possible it it felt like it was valuable to me because it showed me that like i should be honest with myself about what i know what i don't know Mm -hmm. what i uh, could do to improve my situation
1: yep Right, you bet you pretty yeah. much realize or at least uh, re realize that you're the one who practically benefits in the end of clear thinking.
0: Well, yeah, that simply that, sure, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it just, it, I suppose, it made me be a little, uh, also very self reflective about my current beliefs, right? Because, uh, for example, I was listening to the audiobook while walking around outside, and um, I would have certain uh, feelings in my body when I was thinking about different uh biases and like uh, forms of self-delusion not that i felt like i was self-deluding but it's funny when your attention is drawn there because then you start to ask yourself oh where is my self-delusion is there self-delusion right. and i think that's valuable uh, because um sometimes you don't think like that sometimes you're caught up in just the um the goings on of life so, or you get caught up in the small stuff. You forget about these kinds of things that are pointed out in the book.
1: Right. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. What about you? All right. Uh, let's see. Okay. I need like a second to think about it. Uh, okay. Oh, add
0: one thing then. While well, you're...
1: well, okay. What's up. What's up?
0: So also uh, not just what I got from the book, but what I, why I think it's like so valuable for a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. I mean there are I mean really it's it's kind of like what we're about right it's it's basically telling you to think in nuanced ways to take be able to take on new beliefs mm-hmm. here's here's a label for a distinction between this kind of mindset and that kind of mindset mm-hmm. which is very nice it's it's a very nice structure to sort of provide to people because like a lot of times I, we think about on the show like what's a good way to put out what's a good way to get people to critically think what's a good way to get people to uh see nuance to take on new beliefs right, to right. Be open right mm-hmm. and i like her structure it's it's a very nice you know here here's what it's like to be a scout here's what it's like to be a soldier right. here's ways to uh, be like a scout here's the benefits of being a scout here's the benefits of being a soldier mindset mm-hmm. um and here are some examples right and it's very easy to understand and yeah. Yeah. um I, I, it also doesn't feel too academic. It feels like a nice balance between uh, being academic, but at the same time, um, you know, if just a, a layman is uh, reading it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that that's no knock on anyone. You know what I'm just saying? I'm just saying, like, somebody who's not interested in psychology or philosophy right, or, right. or whatever, I feel like it's it's very easy to understand. It's very valuable. It's cool to put a percentage on how much you believe a certain thing. That's a nice phraseology. Like, again, like that thing I was describing earlier, like, Oh, I like to think of things and I I have certain perspectives floating up in clouds and all of that. That's my view of that. But I like her structure because mine is not, it's not something that, um, I've created like a real, uh, structure for how to explain that to people. Hers is a nice way of putting uh, percentage on how much you believe what you believe and the use of that so it's very structured and it's nice
1: yeah yeah so i guess i would say for me the most uh, the main point is not to take things personally so what this book really i think adequately showed was that people like really fall into these biases consistently so it's like if they're so this is the way i see now criticism i, I mean Maybe not now, but the way I see now, like in this moment, not in the sense of like yesterday I saw it this way and today I see it this way, right? So let's say now in this moment, right? Which obviously is going to fluctuate. Um, so the way I see criticism is it's one of two things, right? It's either that the person is giving you really important feedback, which you can use and help to grow, obviously, even though it's maybe not something you necessarily want to hear, or that feedback really is stemming from motivated reasoning, right? Where the person really is jealous. Uh, the person really is trying to sort of sabotage you and take you down. Uh, they're really trying trying to make you feel bad about yourself, you know, etc. So the idea there is if you paint criticism in that kind of light, it's one of two things and both of them are really helpful to know and both of them are really kind of benign, right? As, if you see it that way. So if you see it in the way of like, well, this is trying to help me grow, great, obviously then I could use it, I could incorporate it, I could become better at whatever this thing is that I'm doing. And then if it's the other thing, right? If it is somebody trying to sabotage me, then that's more of a reflection of them than anything to do with me. Even if somebody says like, "Hey, you know, you're unattractive, you're stupid." Or whatever it is and then I'm like okay but what does somebody what does somebody do with that right like I'm like you're not really trying to help me and if you're not trying to help me you're trying to put me down likelihood is you a likelihood is I guess you feel that way and you're probably projecting onto me great goodbye I don't want to even think about it so for me that's like the most important takeaway that criticism and this is something I've struggled with my entire life. Um, criticism is something that if, if you can kind of like really think it through, doesn't have to be taken as sort of harshly and as critically and even as personally as you would, you know, otherwise, or as I used to do. So. All right, man. Well, go ahead. Last thought. Last I, no,
0: I think I think that's very valuable and um, yeah, let's, let's end it here. Yeah. So, yeah. so <laughs> guys, guys
1: you get the book just for, for you guys. I hope the conversation was somewhat enlightening and I would really get the book for me, as I'm sure for you too, Alan, this book is literally one of the most important books I've read on critical thinking all the way back to Kahneman. Uh, when we're talking about philosophy books, the pop philosophy books by like Julian Bagani, who um, mm. talks about where well, he talks about like uh, different uh, logical fallacies that people fall into. And obviously Kahneman's work and Ramos Tversky. This is kind of one of those books that really belongs in the like hall of fame of critical thinking literature.
0: Yeah. And, and if you guys want to find it, it's it's on uh, Amazon, Audible, wherever you get your books. Again, it's called The the Scouts Mindset, Why Some People See Things Clearly and Others Don't by Julia Galef. Yep. And yeah, that's our show. If you guys uh, liked it, you know, like, subscribe, follow. Uh, you can follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and at Seize underscore podcast on Twitter. Yep. Yeah, like, subscribe, hit the bell. Don't yeah, do, as do all of
1: that stuff, please. Yeah, just, you know, spread the word if you like it.
0: That's right. And yeah, guys, uh, thank you so much for watching and see you next time.